And so I'm blessed to be with y'all. Um, this past week, I got a confession to make. Watching the news and watching the weather reports, I got a little triggered. Anybody else in the room get a little triggered this week? I mean, you start feeling your breath, blood pressure going up. You start breathing differently. You start thinking in terms of, oh, no, worst-case scenarios. Been there? Been there this week? You know, uh, my family and I, we went out to supper Thursday. We had some errands to run. And, and as we were coming home, we were like, you know what? We're running low on fuel. We need to get gas. Let's just stop by Sam's Club and, and we'll get gas, and then we'll go into Sam's Club. It's Labor Day weekend, and it's not an American holiday unless you burn a wiener or you, you, you throw something on the grill and toast it up real, real, like it's almost like a sacrifice or something. I don't know. But we were like, we'll, we'll go in and we'll get something. Oh, nay, nay. <laughs> they were like 15 deep at each of the lines at the Sam's Club, and, and the whole place was just overrun, and we were like, we'll, we'll take a pass on that. And then Joy was like, well, we still need hot dogs. We still need some basics, and we still need gas if we're going to go around anywhere this weekend. And so um, she went out and made a secondary run, and the store was a madhouse. It was like somebody declared it Black Friday, you know, and, and, and folks were going for everything and anything they could get their They were selling out of water. The gas lines were long. People were triggered. Desperation does that, doesn't it? We, we know what a hurricane of that magnitude like Dorian is showing to be. We, we know what that can do. And so we are making preparations and, and we are thinking and, and things just are getting a little overwhelming. Now it looks like the track is turning eastward and northward and, and there's still people in harm's way. Just show of hands. How many of you have friends or family members that are still within the cone of possibility for that storm. T take a look around, okay? Because we didn't come to church today. We are the church. And I hope that those that are close to you that have people in harm's way, that you will keep them in mind over the next few days so that God would show up and show off His power to them and, and especially for those that are in the path of the storm. This looks like a monster, and we know all about monsters. So we're a little triggered and, and we might be desperate. You know, my definition of desperate and my idea of desperate has changed over the years. I'll give you a few examples of what I used to think was desperate situations. Like one time I was on a date in downtown Cincinnati. I was trying to impress a girl from, from, from a foreign country. And we had eaten... Uh, at a restaurant on the river on the Kentucky side so we could look and see the skyline of Cincinnati. And, and I had blackened shrimp pasta. And I thought, you know, as a secondary part of this date, maybe I'll take her to Bicentennial Park and we'll walk along the serpentine wall there by the Ohio River. And as we got to Bicentennial Park and we were in a, in a place that was distant from the car and nothing else was around us, my stomach made this unmistakable sound. You know that sound, don't you? Some of you are like, I, I have that sound. I, I deal with that sound. All right, and so I began to get frantic. I was desperate because I knew what was coming and not too far in the future. And so I began to seek a private relief station somewhere in the downtown Cincinnati area. And there was nothing but blocks and trees and river. 
And I was at that point where I was like, maybe if I just hurl myself into the, the Ohio River, it'll be a distraction where everything else... But then I realized, you know what? I've got a God that in the Bible, he turned water into wine and he raised the dead. Surely he can bring up a relief station in the middle of downtown Cincinnati. And you know what? He answered that prayer. I didn't have to worry about public embarrassment and the destruction of that relationship because of a difficult moment. Embarrassment was averted, but at, at the time I would have said, that's a desperate situation. Until I came down here and I started out my career at Woodlawn as the youth director. And they had a tradition of going on rafting trips every summer. Bad idea. Bad, bad, bad idea. I went on one of those trips. And we went down the Ocoee River and, and I actually got into the raft until one of the students decided they needed to slip and fall. And, and they bumped me and I wound up into a, a rapid named Double Trouble. And yes, it was. And because I was not expecting to get knocked out of the raft, and because I was not expecting the temperature of the water to be what it was, I did what any of us would do. <gasps> and I swallowed a bunch of water as I was going into the river. And what happened was I got caught in a hydraulic. Anybody know what a hydraulic is? It's where the water does everything and anything but let you loose. And so I was caught in this machine wash cycle in the Ocoee River. And I couldn't breathe and I couldn't get out. I didn't know heads from tail, up from down, in or out. I was just spinning. And I was thinking, this is, this is problematic. This is troublesome. Finally, the current pushed me out because you're at the mercy of the current. And finally, it came a point where the, the current just shoved me out away from double trouble. And I came up for air and I started to try to take a deep breath, but I couldn't because I was choked from the water I had already inhaled. And so I was trying to get my breath, trying to get out the water, and the current started pulling me back in. And I realized in that moment, if I go back in, I am a dead man. Desperate situation. And I was clawing and, and I was... I'm just glad it was water because the way I was crying at that point, no one else could tell how panicked I was. But, but the bottom line is, I was in deep, deep trouble. To be honest, I was a dead man. But the folks from the rafting company had been trained in rescue, came to my aid, and I'm able to be here today. They saved me. Now, you look at those two situations. That was my baseline for desperation. Bathroomless in Cincinnati and hopeless in the Ocoee until Hurricane Michael showed up. And that's when I realized there's a difference between a temporary emergency, a life-threatening situation, and a desperate situation. We've experienced them all, haven't we, in this area? I mean, some of us, we thought a desperate situation was having our AC break down during the summer until we were faced last year with folks not having a home because Michael destroyed our area. And the truth is, desperate times call for desperate measures. And that's why when people got triggered this week, they ran to the stores and bought up all the bread and the milk and the water. Folks that never drink water 365 days out of the year, they all bought water. Because we were without it for a while, weren't we? And I want to take a moment this morning to unpack the role that desperation plays 
in the miraculous. Jessica Legrone, she's the dean of the chapel at Asbury Theological Seminary. She wrote a book entitled, Inside the Miracles of Jesus. And in it, she contends that all the miracles of Jesus came as a response to moments of desperation in the lives of people in the gospel. Did you happen to know this? I didn't until I read her book. One-fifth of the gospels are dedicated to scriptures involving healing of some kind. 727 verses of the 3,779 verses that are in the Gospels emphasize healing. And that doesn't even include all the miraculous things that Jesus did. Those are just the miraculous things. Jesus spent a lot of time on earth responding to people in desperate situations. So I thought this morning we might unpack what desperation is and the role it plays in leading us to the miraculous. In Psalm 107, we find a situation that the, the writer kind of unpacks and unfolds for us. And I'm going to be reading out of the message. I'm preaching out of the message version of the Bible. Typically, I'm a New International Version kind of guy. But the message really spoke to me in the language that it uses. And I hope that you will find some comfort and inspiration in its translation today. The writer is speaking and reminding those whom the Lord has redeemed from trouble about their past and God's faithfulness to get them out of a specific situation. Here's what he says, starting in verse 4. Some of you wandered for years in the desert, looking but not finding a good place to live, half-starved and parched with thirst, staggering and stumbling on the brink of exhaustion. Then... In your desperate condition, you called out to God. He got you out in the nick of time. He put your feet on a wonderful road that took you straight to a good place to live. So thank God for his marvelous love, for his miracle mercy to the children he loves. He poured great drafts of water down parched throats. The starved and the hungry got plenty to eat. This psalm, I believe, serves as a perfect example of how God shows up in the midst of desperation. And I want you to see with me this morning four takeaways from desperate situations. First of all, if you're in a desperate situation, I want you to, to understand desperate situations get our attention. Desperate situations cannot and will not go unnoticed. And when you're in one of those places or circumstances or situations, you are well aware of it. You don't have to guess or speculate or wonder. You know that you are in a heap of trouble. In Psalm 107 verse 4, the, the writer reminds the people, you wandered for years in the desert. You were half starved and parched, stumbling and staggering on the brink of exhaustion. These folks knew their plight. They were lost. They were exhausted. They were in danger of losing their lives. And I wonder how many times... Their wives told them, would you just pull off at the gas station and ask for directions already? Just buy a map. We've been lost, the Bible says, for years now. But there was no gas stations and there were no maps. And they were at the mercy of being lost and in a dire situation. If they had a dictionary at that time, I think if you'd looked at the word desperate, it would have had a picture of them in that place. They were the poster children of desperation and they knew it full well. 
when we find ourselves in desperate times and places, it doesn't take long for us to figure that out, does it? It's obvious. Whether it's a hydraulic in a river where we're struggling to breathe and near the point of hopelessness, or we're in a doctor's office and we hear the words stage 4 cancer, or ALS, or Parkinson's disease, or if you're in the boss's office and you're receiving a pink slip, or you're at home in the kitchen and your spouse tells you they don't love you anymore and they're seeking a divorce. Or you're at the mailbox and you're receiving a final notice on an overdue bill. You don't need an interpretation. You know what you're going through is bad. Desperation gets our attention, doesn't it? And it screams in our face that we have big problems. And it's in that moment that I see the number two observation that I want to make that it removes all pretenses and destroys the illusion that everything is fine. We can no longer fool ourselves into thinking everything is okay or that we can handle it. Desperation gets our attention, but then it breaks down the delusion that we can get ourselves out of trouble. It exposes our inability to wiggle or bargain or finagle our way out. We are completely helpless and we know it. Back to Psalm 107. They couldn't remedy their situation or improve their condition because if they could have, they would have. But before they, but they, there they were. They were embroiled with troubles. There were no solutions or remedies or reprieve. They stumbled around searching and seeking but not succeeding, as the Bible says, for years. You've been in a desperate situation for years. You know what the Bible says? is talking about in their own power in our un, in our own power we would never turn things around those folks in in psalms knew they were limited and and desperation forced them to realize the limits and the liabilities of where they were and what they could do they were literally in a dead end proverbs tells us there's a way that seems right to a man but the end is destruction you ever been in that place where, where your best thinking and your best strategies and, and all your power to do things and to change things just have fallen flat? Financial hardship, maybe. You, you've got a hard thing going on and you decide, you know what, I'm just going to borrow some money to pay off a debt. But now you've got a larger debt and still no way to pay it off. So you borrow more money to pay off a portion, but also to buy groceries. And little by little, instead of getting yourself out, you're digging yourself deeper and deeper down into a hole with no prospect of getting out or free. You're stuck. Desperation is when you know you're in a bad place, and then you realize that it's beyond your ability to dig your way out. So what did the folks in, in the Psalms do? In verse 6, it says this. In their desperation and in their desperate condition, they called out to God. I can almost hear them. God, we tried to solve this thing on our own and we failed. We realized we can't handle this. We've got to have assistance. We need someone or something out there to save the day, which led them to be open to new options and possibilities. They'd exhausted what they knew and what they could uh, try to manufacture, and so they were looking for other solutions. They cried out to God. Desperation gets our attention, then it removes illusions by forcing us to admit it's over our heads, and then we come to a place where we're willing to embrace something else, or, or more specifically, someone 
else. The Bible says they called out to God. Other translations said they cried out to God. The Bible tells us that we have not because we ask not. And if we ask, he will give it to us. We will receive. And if we seek, we will find. If we knock, the door will be opened. They were willing to ask because they had come to the place where they knew that the answer wasn't within themselves. They had to have someone else. So they cried out to God and they sought His power and requested His aid. And they looked for His intervention. God, we're dying down here. We're lost. We're starving. We're parched. We're give out. Save us. You, you know it's desperate when that's your, your cry, your plea. Save us. Save me. Many of you made that prayer last year when you were at home and the storm was bearing down and the walls of your house were going in and out and the foundation was shaking and you were hugging your family members and the only prayer you could think to pray was a prayer of desperation. Save me. You see, when I was in the river, I was open to anything that would bring about a different outcome. I sought to hook the paddle handles like they taught us in the, in the safety briefing that we had. The, 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 the oars that you have on the paddles that you raft with have hooks on the end so that if you're in a bad place, you can put yours out and hold on to the oar end and, and, they'll, and you can hook. I tried that. It failed. I, I, I clawed at the rocks trying to impede my, my progress back in. And I guarantee you, there are still fingerprint and claw marks at the bottom of the Okoe River where I was desperate. And, and, and at that point, I saw somebody dive into the river and offer me help. And I saw the panic look on his face. And I, with everything I had, reached out because it was there. It was an option I didn't have available to me, and I would have done anything and I grabbed that guy's hand and he pulled me up. And I kid you not, if, if I wasn't a, a man's man, I would have kissed him on the mouth. <laughs> Straight up, because I knew he saved my life. He rescued me. And when you're out of options, you're open to any kind of assistance that will come your way. Desperation does that, doesn't it? It makes us seek where Seek help where we've not sought it before and how we've not sought it before. It puts us in a, in a place to experience miracles. Desperation is the place where miracles are sought and found. We can embrace the miraculous because we're in a place where we have to have it. Situations get our attention. They make us realize that we are hopeless to fix what is wrong. And then it opened us and our eyes to consider alternatives. That's exactly what happened in the Psalms. And then what happens, number four, is we witness God's power in a way that produces worship and a deeper connection to Him. God shows up. When we cry out to Him, He, he arrives on the scene. In Psalm, the writer reminds the people in verse 6 that God got you out in the nick of time. We go from knowing about God to having experience with God in all of His power. Look at what happens in the Scripture. Verse 7, they cried out and God got them out in the nick of time. He placed their feet on a wonderful road. He took them to a place that would lead them home or their desired situation. Verse 9, He poured abundant amounts of water down their parched throats and the starved and hungry got plenty to eat. 
God brought these results and the people benefited from them. God showed up in his power and did wondrous works. But notice something. It was more than just God giving them a gift. It involved a connection with him. It wasn't just about the gift of food or the gift of a destination or a way forward or a way home. It was the giver. It's not about the stuff. It's about the Savior. It's not about your mess or what God does in your mess. It's about the Master. Desperation motivates us to seek God. And miracles, when they occur, are never meant to be the focus. If you look in Scripture, the miracle is never the focus for the people. The miracles are meant and intended to draw our focus and attention to God. Where we see His power, where we see His goodness, we see His care for us. And it draws us to a place where we're more intimately related to Him than we were before. And it should produce thankfulness and worship. Verse 8, Psalm 107. Thank God for His marvelous love, for His miracle mercy to the children He loves. In those moments we realize that desperation in one area really kind of exposes how weak and powerless and helpless we truly are. Because if I'm desperate over here, truth be told, there's a lot more areas in my life that I'm desperate in. And how overwhelming life is and how powerless I am to do anything. And the need I have for the one who is greater than everything. Do you remember what Jesus told us in scripture? In the world you will have what? Trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. It, when I'm in a desperate place and I really realize I'm not in control of anything. I, I, I am desperate to any place where God want to enter my life because I need him. I am lost on my own. I am broken. I am undone. I'm sinful. I'm helpless. I'm hopeless without him. I need the miracle of his presence in my life. I need his spirit alive and working in me. Because the Bible says that he made everything and in him everything holds together. The Bible also tells us that there's salvation in no other name except the name of Jesus. I'm desperate without my God. And every situation I enter is a desperate situation if I enter it without him. The beauty of it is, when I go into a desperate place or a dire situation, the Bible promises me that if that same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in me, he will quicken my mortal body. He will show up and he will show off, not, not so that I can see the miracle, but that I might experience him to a greater degree. That there might be true intimacy. And as I began to, to look at this in Psalms, and as I began to think about our plight and our situation through Hurricane Michael, and as I began to experience the faithfulness of God, here, here's a formula that I've come out with. Desperation gets our attention, removes our illusions, opens us to the God possibilities, and then it comes to that place where God works and we're able to witness His power. And if you take the first letter of each of those things, gets, removes, opens, witness God's work and power. You know what that spells? Grow. Desperate places put us in a place that grow 
our faith. Where God shows up and does the miraculous because he's a good heavenly father. Jesus said, I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. I am with you even to the end of the age. And yeah, you're going to have some trouble. But take heart, kids. I've got your back. I've got you. It doesn't matter what's churning in the Gulf or out in the Atlantic. It doesn't matter what the doctors are saying. It doesn't matter what you've been through. I am going to go with you through the fire and the flood. I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to let you down. Trust me. Bill, I love the fact that you said, God, we trust you, but help us trust you more. Isn't that what this life is? It's learning about the goodness and faithfulness of our God so that step by step we grow in our intimacy with Him where we depend on God. So your desperate situation or the desperate situation that your family members are facing is an opportunity for God to grow you and to grow them. Because God has plans for you. Plans not to harm you, but to prosper you. To give you a future with hope. And so I am so blessed that today we get to be reminded that God knew we would find ourselves in desperate places. God knew that, that there would be times where we would be over our head in situations. And so He sent Jesus to enter into this world, this life, these issues, to give us hope, to work the miraculous. I told them at 8.30, you know, the happenings in your life didn't take God by surprise. God, God is not shocked that there is a hurricane in the Atlantic. He didn't cause it, but He knew it was there. And He knows what He is intending to do. Give grace. Give shelter. Give protection. Cause people to, to rise to another level in their faith so that they can respond to other people in great need. When we were at our worst last year, the world showed up. I'm just a little disappointed that the world has gone home. We still need help, don't we? But that's why this meal blesses my heart and encourages my faith because God knew where we would be and, and the desperate situations into which we would stumble and, and fall. And he said, I'm sending my son so that on the night that he was betrayed, he could initiate a meal with bread and he could offer it to his disciples. And he said, I've taken this and I've blessed this. This is my body and it represents me. I'm giving myself for you all of your desperate situations. All of your difficulties, I am here for y'all. So please, take this. And as you eat it, and as you receive my comfort and my power, remember me. And likewise, also after supper, the Bible says he took the cup. He said, guys, this is, this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant, shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink from this, because you're going to need it. And as you do this, Lean into me. Trust in me. Because I'm going to do the miraculous. You see, the blood covers our sin. The body covers our body. God wants to heal you, body, mind, and spirit. And I don't know what your desperate situation is today, but I do know this. He is sufficient. He's the all-sufficient Savior. 
So today I'm going to invite those that are helping and assisting to come and to be served first and to get into their situations and stations so that you can respond to this grace that God gives us to meet us in desperate places for His glory and for our good. Would you pray with me? Lord, I pray that you would stir in this place in this moment. Lord, that you would do something here with these elements of bread and cup that would make them more than just bread and cup. Make them be for us your body. So that, Lord, as we participate in this moment, we might be your body, redeemed by your blood, to be an extension of your hope to a desperate world. God, work miracles for us and in us so that we can participate in your miracles to others. God, you're stirring in this place. And as we reach out to you, may you meet us where we are that the world may know who you are and what you're able to do. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all God's people said.